Chapter Eleven of The Sorrows of a Showgirl, A Story of the Great White Way, by Kenneth McGaffey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sabrina touches on the advantages of having a hotel for chorus girls and makes several comments on the dramatic possibilities of the mangled doughnut with which she is rehearsing. Say, remarked Sabrina as we met her in front of her favorite cafe. Say, loosen up, cough, give down, come to, kick in. You've got to donate for a couple of tickets to the annual benefit of the unemployed or otherwise disabled chorus girls' home. And the quicker you come across, the quicker your suffering will be over. Sure, we are going to have a benefit that will make even the Friar Festival get up and hump itself. And you know that's going to be some show. The Chorus Girls Mutual Knocking Society is going to build a home so that the poor doll who comes in from the high grass in her normal condition, broke, can have some place to go and rest and refresh herself without having to hock a couple of wedding rings before she can have her hotel trunk sent up. There's going to be fifty sleeping rooms and ninety-six maids, so that if the poor skirt wakes up in the morning feeling far from a well woman, all she has to do is to tickle the zing-zing and the maid is right there on the job. There is to be nineteen soundproof parlors, with two pianos in each parlor. While there will be a chaperone, of course, she will permit the young ladies to entertain their friends in a quiet and ladylike manner, until the porter starts cleaning up the bar in the morning. The inmates will, of course, be allowed to sign checks but from visitors only cash will be accepted. Can you see a mob of those merry dames around that drum? Talk about your something doing every minute. Say, it will look like open time around that shack. Burleskers are cancelled. They can't come into the home. Well, they never have much of a home anyway, so they don't miss much. Burlesque is sure one strenuous existence. Mother made me quit. That and the doctor telling me that I would ruin myself standing around a drafty stage in tights. And besides, those burlesque stagehands certainly are cruel. Why, you have to put the money right in their hand before they will beat it across the alley for a can of suds. If that ain't cruelty, I don't know what is. Do they think us girls would enjoy a refreshment if we have to pay for it ourselves? Why, it hasn't got the same flavor. Do you think a girl lacks class when she puts salt in her beer? That home will be a great thing. Imagine going home every night without wondering if your room is locked and the landlady sitting on your trunks at the top landing. You can just flounce into your nest any old time and know that everything is right there, unless one crafty girl has bribed the chambermaid for the key. You never can tell about those people. Why, I know one girl who kept stealing hairs out of the different wigs in the dressing rooms until she had enough to make a Dutch braid, and then she put on such a front and chest that she wouldn't speak to any of the other girls should she happen to meet them socially. I have always wanted a home, and not that I haven't been offered several, but I mean a permanent one. But to continue about the benefit, Wilbur is going to manage it, and he expects to shake down enough to start us housekeeping. But, of course, that is strictly under your hat, and I pray you do not mention it. I think we can get Mr. Erlanger to let us use the New York Theatre, if we promise not to damage the fixtures. He lets every other benefit have it, and he certainly wouldn't object to a few poor chorus girls pulling off a shindy seeing as how they did so much for his success. Suppose none of us had gone on in the chorus of Ben-Hur. Just think what would have happened. Didn't know there was a chorus in Ben-Hur. Say, what are you trying to do? Kid me or just show me a good time? I was around yesterday trying to get some of the old-time Mary Mary, who are now some of our leading actresses, to appear at the benefit. But they all threw a fit at the mere mention of the fact that they had once carried a spear. For my part, I see nothing degrading in the work. 
even if we are held up to the jibes and chaff of some of these newspaper near humorists it certainly is an honorable calling and if you look good from the front you can always have your pick of the menu so that any dame that can hand out the frightened fawn glance need never starve ain't it funny the way these johns stick their noses to the ground and start on the trail of the soldiers villagers etc they'll pass up anything just to be able to stick their arm through the stage door and hand the doorkeeper a bunch of violets they will leave flossie the belle of the village waiting at the gate any time a burlesque three-sheet shows up on the side of the blacksmith shop and right down front with their feet on the bass drum handing out the coy glances before the first curtain is a foot from the stage yep i'm still rehearsing with the mangled doughnut and the author of the book told me yesterday in the strictest confidence that it will be the best first-night performance hartford ever saw he says he expects to stay up all that night rewriting the book but he is willing to sacrifice a few hours sleep in the interest of art and for the musical numbers as we are rehearsing forty-two songs some of them ought to go the only thing wrong with the show as far as i can see is that the prima donna acts like she was in a trance it is my personal opinion of course i wouldn't have you breathe this to a living soul for worlds but it is my personal opinion that she sniffs the white she either does that or jabs though it don't show on her arm the leading comedian is a sad affair he would make a good understudy for a morgue and that's about all why i offered him suggestions for some new business in his cafe scene and he went up stage on the run and informed me that when he desired instructions from the chorus concerning the way to handle his part he would address me in writing i said to him far be it from me to get gay old top but i would respectfully suggest that you get busy with the pen and ink then he was going to have me fired such a chance he had better find out what i know about the past history of the person who hired me before he hands out any lurid language about my dismissal i know right where i stand and though i am one of the shop girls in the first act instead of having my regular place as an american heiress i know right where i stand every shake out of the box viola st clair is sure having the one strenuous time with her new husband the poor dear is nearly balmy in the crumpet from worry you see they have been married but four long weeks and the last three nights he's been coming home sober and she believes he's deceiving her so she's trying to get enough money from him so that she can hire a private detective to have him shadowed they tell me that sam harris has to punch a time clock i know one thing and that is when i am married wilbur will not be one of the leading lights of the knickerbocker even if i have to prance down there and drag him out by the neck gee there ain't much doin in town now wilbur and a couple of friends are already running trial heats for the twenty-three club dinner and if he ever recovers from that our engagement will be announced i am having the photographs taken now tell me do you think it's good form for a lady to have her wedding announcement accompanied by pictures of herself in tights wilbur says that it won't help me but it will do the show a lot of good and he says somebody connected with my show should be done good besides the manager i will say one good word about our show it has a grand first act the other two acts may be on the cheese but the first act is good the author says the first act of a show is the only one that needs any attention because it's the only one the critics ever stick for anyway we got great scenery the second act is made of what you might call a composite set being composed out of all the scenery from the other failures this year did i say other failures i spoke inadvertently for this elaborate production with its all-star cast of metropolitan favorites and its famous beauty chorus as wilbur says may be all right mind you i only say may the first act is laid in a quince plantation and the quinces of the chorus are discovered at curtain rise picking the luscious fruit there is a naval vessel in the harbor 
This was put in so the tenor could wear his white duck uniform. He had to wear something, and when the management found that he had a white duck uniform, every tenor has, you know, or he wouldn't be a tenor, when the management found that he had a uniform, they took the money they had advanced for costumes away from him and rewrote the first act. As I say, we lemons are picking quinces, or we quinces are picking lemons, any way you want to take it, and after finishing the opening chorus, we rush up stage, open center, and in comes the prima donna in a pony cart. A stone boat would suit her better, but that is neither here nor there. See pony cart, chance for number by pony ballet, with six string doughnuts. You see, that's where the title of the play is introduced. That's the only time the title shows up, except a duet between the leading lady and the tenor, entitled, I had rather be a doughnut in Harlem than a butter cake in Childs. The prima and the tenor do an imitation of the merry widow waltz. The author didn't want that put in, but the backer of the show convinced him that nowadays every true musical comedy had an imitation of the merry widow waltz, so he let it slide. After that, in comes the comedian as the valet of a wealthy American just arrived on the battleship. He has got a great entrance. It's brought out by some plot lines spoken by two of the chorus girls that he has taken a taxi balloon from the boat and while up in the air he bites the rope of the balloon in two in a fit and falls center stage with a red spotlight on him that's the musical cue for his song i'd rather be up in the air than up in the bronx he has learned twenty-two extra verses and says that he will give them all if the usher's hands hold out when he is through in comes the soubrette formerly a lady boilermaker in canarsie but now disguised as an adventuress in search of the missing papers she has the papers in a locket given her by her mother, but don't know it until the comedian bites her on the neck in the third act and breaks the chain, when the locket falls to the ground and the papers fall out. The second act is a scene in Maxim's, where the leading lady is washing dishes. That gives more comedy, with the comedian as a dish. The American is hiding from his wife and goes to Maxim's, because he knows she'll be there. If she wasn't, shucks, there wouldn't be no show. He does his specialty with a piece of cheese not the prima donna and after that the american beauty chorus comes in and does a refined can-can my how i have run on i just know i'll be late for rehearsal but don't forget the benefit we need the money wilbur and me so long end of chapter eleven